0: welcome to talent takeover unfiltered when it comes to working hard and keeping it real we know our shit. self-care happiness inner peace and time i'm brianna rooney and this is taylor bradley hey y'all and we have thrived in chaos and turned it into an art form so taylor what are we doing here today
1: we're here to give you a raw under the hood view of all things recruiting and finally give credit where credit is due to a long underrated industry that's full of
0: quote-unquote experts. All right. Well, then let's take this show to the road. Hello. Welcome to Talent Takeover Unfiltered. So I'm super excited to welcome Crystal Hahn and, of course, Taylor Bradley. Uh, we are talking about how to build your recruiting and TA career with data. Crystal, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. so super excited to
2: talk about numbers early in the morning. <laughs> yes. It was sexy.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what I like to wake up to. Yeah. Taylor, <laughs> how are you doing? Good. Good. How are you?
0: Pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely early. Uh, I actually had the pleasure of talking to Crystal a couple of days ago and like immediately I was like, can you please come on our podcast on Wednesday? It was on that. So, so, so no prep. Uh, But we were talking about data and, um, you know, data-driven has been like such this hot topic, data-driven recruiting for like a little while. And I still feel it's like, first of all, what is that? Is anyone really going to dig and say what kind of data we're talking about in recruiting? I don't know. Anyone vibing me on this, Taylor? (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, I mean, I'm curious to hear Crystal's thoughts. This is is your subject. So what do you think about data and recruiting? Definitely. So I feel like it when Brianna and I talked, we, we obviously hit it off, which was wonderful. Uh, yeah.
2: And so, you know, I think when you think of data or like, it's kind of like the buzz, like there's so many buzzwords that happen around recruiting and people I think are just like, this is the, this is the next thing. And it's almost like you're trying to cook spaghetti and see if you can cook it to the right al dente. And then you just kind of like stick it at the wall and you're like, actually, this doesn't work. Or like, maybe this actually does work. And so- I think people are still trying to find that sweet spot of what that actually is and i think for us in the field we are just kind of like shifting gears where we're not trying to just be executors but we're trying to really be thoughtful of like how we approach things and so how do we actually look at data what does it actually mean and i think it's so easy to go down this rabbit hole of like okay so we're looking at all this data we want to see top of funnel we want to see like how many hires get look at our velocity model and then You kind of forget to humanize the data a little bit too, I think. And then you just kind of like have to take a a step back to actually see like, how does this service me? And like, how does this service what I'm trying to accomplish? And I think that's where the beauty of it also lies in trying to get that perfectly cooked pasta.
1: Yeah, I'm hungry. I know. (laughs) I think that's That's why why I referenced food. (laughs) Yeah. I love that we're digging into this because, you know, oftentimes, and even having just hired for a recruiter role myself, oftentimes, like everybody's coached to speak about data in the interview process. Like make sure you mention data, make sure. But it's like, what data? And what is the significance of the data? And, and why is it important? It's just one of those things that we're like told and coached to talk about or to stress how important it is. But do we really understand how important it is? And what is the data that we're looking at? And what what purpose does it serve knowing this data, you know? So I'm really excited to hear like what data you track and how you use it in your process and, um, you know, what the feedback is on that. Is it, is it something that is bought, you know, your hiring managers are bought into, like really just curious to hear how you use
0: data.
2: Yeah. So I think there's a variety of ways that you can use data. So like one example that I think is super helpful if you're like, um, you know, a recruiter that's like working on a role and you're dealing with some feedback, maybe from like hiring managers or stakeholders where they're saying like, you know, I'm not happy with the pipeline. I'm not seeing enough people. I feel like people's go-to is always like, I, I want to see the world and I want to see like everyone and, and their mothers and, and you know, um, everything that just kind of allows them to just have visibility. So I think that is one of the key takeaways is that they want to understand what has actually happened. So how do you kind of look and articulate what exactly you're dealing with because you're on the ground and they're not? So how do you get them to kind of see your point of view and give them perspective? So I think that's really like the key takeaway is being able to come through and help you understand what that actually means. And then it's peeling back the layers of being like, okay, so you want to see top of funnel, but like, why do you want to see top of funnel increase so much when I'm like, seeing that I'm reaching out to 100-some people per day, maybe, and then I'm only getting maybe, like, two responses throughout the week. But, like, they're not seeing that effort being made. And so because you're not giving them the clarity or context, I think that is where a lot of disconnect happens. And so how do you then use the data to be able to show them, hey, I reached out to, like, 500 people this week. Only two responded. Like, I'm doing the job. I'm doing my work. I'm going out there and trying to, like – um at this role and like find a really great talent for you but there's only so much I can do and so that's maybe why you're not seeing this and maybe why you're thinking I want to see funnel. so I think that you know it's not even um, a thing of just top of funnel looking at data in a certain way I think it's more like what is the core reason they're saying what they're saying so like how do you read between the lines like, what is the the benchmark that you're trying to accomplish? And then how do you help mitigate the miscommunication that's also there to help you influence and drive the decision that you're actually trying to, to do?
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, one of my favorite ways to use data has always been to show hiring managers or leadership where the bottlenecks are. Like, I think that's one of the most powerful way, ways that I've used data. But um, I'm curious to know, Crystal, how would you approach... How would you approach the situation if, how do you get them to see the value in your data? If you're able to show them like, hey, you know, I'm building out this top of the funnel, these hundred candidates, I need somebody to review them. Or it's like, here's where the bottlenecks are. How do you get leadership to see the value in the data that you're providing? No, that's a great question. So
2: I think it's part of the journey of building trust with your stakeholders, right? So like, I think that's why you use data as this supplemental tool to be able to help catapult yourself into this wonderful relationship. Because I think for us being on the grounds, like, again, we're so used to this. We do this as a living. We've like been around the block in multiple situations or environments where like we've come across these roadblocks and us just saying it to new stakeholders. I think it's not enough, right? And so when you look at the data and you're trying to show the value of it, I think there's multiple ways that you can look at it. So you can look at other data that has come through in the past of like other roles that you may have worked on, and then you can kind of work. So if it took 200 screens to get to like two hires or like three hires, then like, let's work back. How do we improve this? Like, it's always about looking at what you can, what you can work towards and better yourself with. And then I think that also
0: helps you become a better recruiter too. So how do you suggest uh, as we're like trying to go through our careers, how um, what we talked about, like you have to talk about data in interviews, for example, but how are you actually building your career with data? Like how, like, how would that work? Um, Like just with yourself, but also like how we even put that on like a resume even, like, I guess those are like two kind of different tangents.
2: Yeah. I wonder if it, that's a great question. Um, I think One of the important things to note when you are building and growing yourself within this field and looking at data is the impact that you made with it. So, for example, if you're looking at data-driven strategies, how methodical can you be in terms of what you used, how you approached it, and then what outcome they served for you? So, did you use data-driven strategies to... Um, increase conversion rates by X percent or, you know, make X amount of higher in X amount of time. So I think when you are digging into and writing your little bullet points on your resume so that you can stand out, I think you can look at it in those two ways where it's like, what did you do in terms of data to increase conversion, um, top of funnel or like uh, response rates, I think is obviously key if you're in a sourcing role and you're kind of full cycle and you want to showcase that you have strong messaging. Um, I think you can also look at it from a sense of like, I, um, decrease the time that it actually takes to make a hire by X percent. And so I think you can show data in your metrics and value of like what you've been able to accomplish, but then also on the flip side, like we talked about describing or articulating that story of how you use data to influence those business decisions to overcome, maybe like working with a difficult hiring manager or you know, building that
0: great relationship along the way. I love that. I love that. Like that, that could actually be an episode just by itself on how to even write the resume to show metrics Right. Um, Because it's like you really have to go through. I mean, like I even think about um, when you hear people, oh, great. We want to hire just five people. You know, it's a a seed startup, all those things like, okay, great. Um, So let's talk through. I'm going to give you three to six resumes. He's like, well, can you give me more? I'm like, okay. Let's say you want to talk to all six. Can you give me six hours at least a week at right. least to talk to them? And, the, you know, it's like and then you're starting to work backwards and they honestly don't even get it. Like they're just like, no, I need all of these people for this particular reason, you know, to convert. And it's so interesting to kind of just lay really lay it out there. I mean, and that's just like on a small scale.
2: Right. It's so interesting that you also bring that up because like I was actually talking to another TA professional the other day. And they were saying how they were complaining or like a stakeholder was complaining to them saying that they weren't seeing enough candidates and little and they were, you know, blaming recruiting because I think we're always the stepchild of the people function. And so you're yeah. kind of always easy to blame. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they were saying how, you know, the, the stakeholder was complaining to them, blaming recruiting They wasn't happy with their recruiting partner. But little did they know that, like, the the reality was that they were declining all of the interviews that entire week because they were, quote unquote, busy. And then that was delaying the process. So, like, you know, it's one of those things where how do you then, like, create and, like, give visibility and then educate stakeholders of, like, okay, this is actually what's happening. And then it just only helps you instead of putting you on the spotlight because you are that you know step golden child that you're trying to also be <laughs> a step Do you feel that way
0: too I don't, think I've heard that.
2: don't you also feel like recruiting the little bit of like you're this little step, uh like you're kind of like the black sheep of things and then like uh, you know yeah
1: that, forever that's like putting <laughs> it lightly to how we've described it on this podcast historically <laughs> no we we talk about that a lot that i need you know we talk about crystal how it you know recruiting never got the respect it deserved until what was it like 2021 and then no. we had a good year like one year what where maybe a year and a half maybe you're not I mean <laughs> and it was like then it's back right back to where we are where we started you know where <laughs> recruiters and TA professionals are like the first ones to be let go I mean we all see it in this market right now like it's happening every single day still there's layoffs so you know it's how do we get them to see the value in recruiting which is why I asked the question of like if if your key stakeholders don't value data how do you get them bought into it if they don't value it, they don't care you could show them yeah. the data they don't care and and that's where you know I've been asked that question I've been in that experience um, myself personally and I my belief on it is that if they're not bought into it and they don't see the value in it and the top down we're talking about like the highest levels down I think mm-hmm. it makes the recruiter's job pretty challenging for so many reasons yeah. but it makes the data a moot point. I mean, if they don't care about the data, I mean, that's obviously indicative of a ton of other things with the organization. If they don't care about the KI experience, the data, all of the things the data shows you, which is like the brand, the candidates, all these different things, um, I'm just, I I didn't have an answer for them. And my own experience was like, you could try to show it to them in spreadsheets. You can try to put it in a PowerPoint presentation. Like there's all these different ways that you could try to show it to them. But if they ultimately don't care you're kind of trying to fight a losing battle. And so that's where my comment to them was like, more so just pick and choose your battles and, you know, but be keep all this data for yourself because if it ever comes back, like what you were saying, Crystal, about, well, you've declined all the invites for the interviews. So if it comes back to where a recruiter is getting reprimanded or in trouble or whatever the case is, hand slapped for not filling a role, at least they have the data and the metrics and are able to show, well, here's what I accomplished and win. Here's where, you know, the invites you decline. They're at least able to tell their story and it backs up and validates, you know, the the work that they've done on the role. Not just like, oh, well, you failed because you didn't get this hire. The data will help you make your case if it ever comes to a situation where you're getting in trouble for the role not being filled for circumstances that are outside of your control. Exactly. The data is also like your receipt,
2: right? It's, yeah. It's, um, it's exactly what's going to help you later on and in- It's so funny that you bring that up because there was one moment where I was actually working on um, a design role or a product role. Yes, it was a product role. And we just were not finding the right candidates, apparently, that were going through the process. And I was trying to show the data and I created this wonderful spreadsheet and I love color coding. And I was like, all right, this is wonderful. I'm gonna present this. I started presenting it because we were missing all the benchmarks. I I highlighted all of the conversion rates of where we were missing like things. And like what my suggestion were so that we can kind of like get this, uh, get the ball rolling a little bit more. And she honestly could care less. And I was like, well, you know what? I am proud still that I spent like a few hours on this document, because now when we kind of go back to it, at least I tried something and like, I tried to find solutions. This was what it was. But like you said, it's like almost, it felt like a losing battle where you just didn't care. And sometimes you do have to pick and choose like, okay, so, I wanted to show you the data. This was my kind of Hail Mary. Let's then go back to the drawing board to see like what it what is it that you actually want now? Like what are you truly unhappy? Is it that you just don't want to partner with? Or like, is it because you, you know, you never know? Um, or is it the fact that you just truly want to see everyone under the sun? And then I think that in our role kind of goes back to the beginning of. Sometimes you just have to like manipulate things a little bit, show them great candidates, show them not so great candidates, and being like, "Make your pick," kind of deal. So you go back to basics on that one too. Sometimes,
0: yeah. yeah well, that, that's, that's kind of like a FOMO effect. Like, I well, like it's like you're you're missing right. out. So um, I'm dating right now, but like that's kind of like 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 on the apps, So it's like, well, I don't want to turn it off because what if? Exactly. Oh, you know, and it 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 is kind of silly where it's like, what is this going to be like in it? like a never ending story. And then you're not actually gonna then hire and you're not gonna then get this project done. And then you're not gonna hit those numbers. It all again, goes trickling back to the data. But okay, I'm gonna gonna push back on this data thing because here's what I've noticed. I would love to hear your thoughts. Data matters when things aren't going well. So how do we still care about data when it's going really well? And we like you talked about, we wanna show how we're getting better and better and better but you realize like they only ask for data and you're really only showing it when it's not working.
2: Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where consistent, right? It, um, I think for us in recruiting, when you're looking at data, there's always like the basic benchmark and um, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you can also leverage like your ats systems right and i think that's why you have um things in place looking at data integrity so that you can continuously um have it at your helm if you really need to pull right so you can do it on um i think if you meet with your hiring managers or stakeholders weekly or you have like weekly talent meetings i think it's always important to put at least five minutes off to the side being like okay this is the health of power benchmarking um or how we're trending in terms of like our conversions, um, you know, we're above market or like we're above the the industry or like we're a little bit below. Maybe one of the next topics that we do in the next meeting is talk about like our email messaging strategies or like, you know, let's, let's do this. So like at least then you can also add value to your actual meetings too and like have a little bit of meat along the way. Um, but I think once you use it as Or, like, not necessarily think of data as, like, I only want to do it or I only want to pull it when I really need it. I think that's when you start separating or, like, putting a hierarchy on data and the relationship that you have with it when it's not going to go away, right? It's constantly there. And so that's when I think, you know, we fall prey to the fact that, you know, people only want to see the data and you're scrambling for it. That's what you don't want to do when things are going you know, maybe not as well as you really want them to. And so I think when you start approaching data as like, you know, the little like flavor water packets that just help you and, you know, keep you hydrated along the way with electrolytes. I think when you constantly look into it, I love it. (laughs) See, exactly. So like you use it as a supplemental method. And I think that when you start You know, not necessarily fighting it, but you use it as a weapon or like, you know, in your little toolkit as like a cheat code. I think that is what's going to help.
1: Yeah. So you brought up something at the very beginning of this conversation that really resonated with me was like a light bulb moment that I had recently whenever I was entering, re entering the job market. Is I had used data always, as we've talked about in this entire conversation, just to tell a story about the recruitment life cycle. But I'd never used it to track, like, accomplishments or achievements of my own beyond, like, what you need to pr- provide in, like, an executive summary to a-, a manager or a QBR or something like that. But it wasn't until I re-entered, you know, the job market and was looking for a new role. I'm like, that's, th- that's what you need to have on there. I mean, that's the feedback I got from multiple people on my resume is, like, you need to have those key achievements. And so I had a shift in my way of thinking of, because I just haven't had, To really do this before you know and it was again very humbling moment for me but i was like i need to start keeping track of this key accomplishments and achievements at every single role just like my own running data list of what i've accomplished you know if i successfully hired you know a cfo in 18 days well that tells a story and i need to just keep track of that versus like a you know what have you done for me lately and that's what i've always done is just like that's and then on to the next one and on to the next but i've never kept a running list for myself. That's like a document that I continuously update for each company, not just in addition to your resume, because I think this is where it's going to go. That's what the data helps with is your resume, but still just having those that you can refer back to even whenever you're, you know, interviewing and being asked those questions about like, what was the most notable achievement you had at X company? You know, it's just that point of that data that you have right there accessible, and it should be a running list that you're just continuously updating as you achieve milestones or, or what you feel are great things at your, in your roles at your company. Um, and so I've, like, you've shifted my perspective on that of like, man, I was like, I don't have that data. When I was trying to put together my resume, I'm like trying to think back a few years and it's not like it's just in the most recent role they ask you that. So for our listeners, I mean, you could get asked that, um you could get asked that for several roles back, which could date several years back. So, and I also know that that's what Hiring managers look for like that's as we talk about you know trends and different things that that you need to do in 2024. That's one I would say is that like have your notable achievements and accomplishments on your resume because hiring managers are looking for that. They want to see that on the resume versus in a conversation is where you'd think okay that's where I normally bring it up. Nope, it's the trend to have it on your resume and it's
0: hard to remember, so keep track of it hmm. and on your LinkedIn. So we, we talked about this you know before just you know when we were working together and we're like. You know, you're doing your um, like performance uh, conversations and the, hey, yeah. how's it going and shit like that, right? And it's like, well, I don't know, what did I do in the last before two weeks ago? I don't even remember what I did yeah. yesterday. Um, what I loved is when you talked about the data integrity, because I look at putting data in sometimes as like admin work. Oh my God, oh God, I've got to put my numbers in, I've got to put my send out, I <laughs> mean, you know, like stuff like that. It kind of seems like exhausting. But you really hit me with something where it's like, no, it's you're literally ruining your data if you don't keep going. This isn't just for shits and giggles. This isn't just to put it in and say, yay me. You know, it's actually looking back. What are the real trends? What are we seeing? And then being able to educate, you know, the hiring managers, the industry um, and just find all of those constant trends. I, I love I love that you said that. Definitely.
2: It's like one of those things where it's like you you have to do it, but you don't want to do it exactly like you said because it's like tedious, right? Like you literally have to do this because it's not going away. But it's also like it's not going away, right? So when you yeah. do need it, then it's kind of like you have to backtrack and then you just make life a little bit harder for yourself. And life is already hard. Like you know, you're you're trying to make it work for you, and this
1: is how it. This is how, and wordsly, you got to do it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So Crystal, what would you say is your broke to boss tip for our listeners for this episode? So if I had anything to say, hiring managers assume, recruiters
2: assume, data doesn't. And so that is a mic drop from there.
0: Yeah. I just got the hit. who would've thought numbers give something to the chill? (laughs) I
1: know, right? Women lie, men lie, numbers don't lie. Exactly. Little Wayne. Another quote by Lil Wayne. No, I love that. I, you, yours was the more like polished professional version of it. Mine was like the rap trap queen version, you know? That is but came from though. So who's to
2: say that rap can't influence? Yeah, it influences me
1: daily.
0: Okay, that. Crystal, thank you so much for being on here. Um, you know, the way that you talk about data and talk about how it can drive, you know, um, your career, your the impact. Um, I love that. Love the strategies, and I think our listeners will really, really, really enjoy that. So, as you're listening to this, as you got, you know, you're writing ferociously because I know I did. Uh, please share it. Share it with friends, families, all over the place. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. See you next week. Bye.